podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams. Niche nonsense. Or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig and I am joined by, live from the Northwest, Dave Watson. Hi, Fergus. And live from South London, Paul Doolan. Hello. So, um... I'm in my first ever Zoom meeting with you guys. Hi. Paul's managed to work out the background, uh, the background <laughs> settings, and he's uh, put a pub, which is incredibly tantalising. It's very comforting. Um, but it's it's a pleasure to be here, guys. Let's just get straight into the football because I'm so fucking knackered <laughs> that I cannot be asked with any kind of friendly chat with you guys. Um, <laughs> uh, let's talk about football. Start <laughs> with this. Apparently, the last time we did a Newcastle Natter, I don't know how long ago it was, but in lockdown years, I don't know, in lockdown, it feels like it was about fucking seven years ago. And uh, I think the consensus was that if we didn't hear anything by the end of the week, then we'd be worried. Mm-hmm. I think that was about a month ago. About, it was under two weeks ago, I think. Okay, was it? Fine. Like I say, I've got no concept of time. Uh, and, uh, and also, we did hear something. We did hear that like, uh, there's no red flags and things are progressing and it's with the O&D test and all this kind of thing. Like, I'm not, I'm not really worried about it. If, if there were reports of red flags or if the, I don't know, if there were issues, we would have heard about it by now. It's just it's it's got to, it's going to take as long as it takes, and part of the reason it's taking so long is so that the Premier League can make sure that they appear diligent and that they've covered all the bases. Um, I still think it's going to go through. Everybody who's talking about it, who seems to know a thing or two, is confident it's going through. Even Richard Keyes is pretty sure it's going through, and he knows fuck all. <laughs> that, I mean that sentence is I think that's, is that isn't that like a non sequitur is that what you call that <laughs> even Richard Keys is short and he knows fuck all I mean. yeah, that's not encouraging but I'm sort of with Dave I think it's it's definitely going to go through oh wow okay I just well the, you just have to look the Premier League will do anything for money and we're now going to be in the era where they need money more than anything and a takeover by one of the richest sovereign nations in the world is going to bring them a lot of money. There's... Didn't you also say that CMD Young was definitely going to be? One of... <laughs> <laughs> I think we might come to that later. Okay, fine. The other, the other thing to consider about the, the Saudi takeover is the the like Middle East and North Africa uh, TV deal is coming up in 2022, and I'm sure that the Premier League would look at this takeover as a way of negotiating a better deal in that region. And because at the minute, if if the accusations have hold any water, then there is almost state-sanctioned piracy 
of the Premier League brand in by like Saudi operated broadcasters. So if you get them around the table and you sell them the deal, is that not does that not make more sense than trying to I don't know than than rejecting this and, and guarantee to lose out lots of money by the Saudis pirating it? Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm, 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 I don't know about you guys, you guys, but I'm fairly reluctant to talk about the takeover all that much because it feels like there's not a lot new to say. We've covered our opinions on it, none of which we're entirely sure about. And, uh, you know, but every time I turn on Five Live at the moment to listen to football coverage, obviously there isn't anything to talk about. So it's always, like for hours and hours and hours, just talking about the ins and outs of when football's going to be back. Yeah. That's just mm. like all they're talking about. And it, and I'm, uh, I don't blame them for it, but um, there's not a great deal to say on the takeover. It suddenly feels like we're not talking about football. Do you know what I mean? We're talking about... Well, I think part yeah, of the reason for the delay as well yeah, is, if you look at what there is to talk about football-wise everything is caught up with trying to get a league restarted during a pandemic. So it's no surprise the Premier League aren't putting our takeover at the top of their priorities list. So I don't think a delay is anything necessarily to lose our shit over. Mm. I think it's perfectly within reason that there can be no red flags, everything's going along smoothly, but at the same time, it's going to take a lot longer because they're dealing yeah. with the global pandemic and how to start a league again. Well, yeah, because if you think about it, you've got um, Mike Ashley, who's famously truculent and famously ornery, and he, he's the seller. Then you've got three parties who are all going to have to go through the O&D test. They're all going to have to submit their like details to the Premier League and be investigated by the Premier League. Then you've got one of those... Is the Saudi regime or the Saudi rail or the investment arm of it, whatever? Um, that's going to take ages to investigate properly, and it's it's going to be difficult. Um, and you're in the middle of a global pandemic. It was never going to be two weeks and sorted. It's just it was it was never going to be that. You keep telling yourself that, Dave. <laughs> I think you, you... we're in quite an anxious situation generally at the moment. And the one positive right now in terms of things looking up is Newcastle's takeover. And you sort of thought three weeks ago, you kind of thought it's going to be done by the end of this week. And it's just, Mm. it is dragging out. And also the other annoying thing, like if this had happened last summer, the celebrations would have been insane. But now it's sort of, it's a club being taken over in a sport that we don't know what it's going to look like. Mm. It's very weird. The whole thing, it's all very strange. But we're being linked with every player in the world. (laughs) (laughs) And every manager. I think that's just in the absence of uh, football matches, that's just the Chronicle desperately trying to get clicks. I think it's everyone. Yeah. Go on. All I was going to say is it, it's not just the Chronicle. The Chronicle basically are just um, regurgitating stuff that's appearing in Mercato, in, um, I don't know, the Mail on Sunday, the Sunday Sun. I mean, we're getting a link with, like, Cavani and um, Bale, Bale and all this shit. And we're also getting a link with managers f- 
could be like Pochettino or Zinedine Zidane. Like it's, I've heard that today. That's the latest one bizarre. today. We would, we would pay double his wages, which is fucking bizarre. I mean, one thing I did see today, which has what I don't know, an element of believability, is um, a director of football, Luis Campo, who worked with Mourinho before, and he's widely respected. He recently left his role, and they're talking about like. Like, oh, he could be the director of football at Newcastle. And again, it could just be like two and two equals five. But um, I, I try and stop myself getting excited about the, the ridiculous rumours, but the ones which are like somewhat believable, those are the ones I'm getting like carried away with, like Odson Eduard from Celtic. I'm yeah. like, yeah, that's a, he's a great player. Like, yeah, he'll be brilliant. Oh, I imagine he'll play like this. It's like, mate, I don't know what... The, the league's going to look like how many players that we can afford to buy what I have no idea don't even know if the league's going to start in September it could might not start until December we don't know we haven't got a clue have we we're in the dark here guys the only I, I don't think this is a problem there is a worrying aspect to so many different rumours just because we're being taken over by effectively three different sets of people if they are actual stories being linked, do you think it could be symptomatic of all of them having different ideas for how the club's going to be run? Or is it just journalists picking a name, picking a club and sending I think it? Probably in? journalists, agents, players, yeah. PR for the takeover people just trying to, they want to keep the excitement about it around. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's good. I mean, sorry, negative. Let's get on to the fun stuff, right? Let's get on to the fun stuff. We've, I've not previewed, as usual, I've not previewed all the things that we've got coming up in the podcast because we've just started with a very sort of downbeat conversation about something that we don't really know about. Um, I also like to apologise for the quality of the, the sound quality of the podcast. I hope you can. I hope it's listenable. Because, you know, the things that we say may not be listenable, but I hope that the sound quality is. Um, I've got a quiz coming up later for Paul and Dave, which I'm quite excited about. I hope it's the right level. I really do. Um, I think it's that mic against your, your hoodie, Dave. We're in a situation where Dave's got a mic hanging from his uh, earpiece. And... Uh, that mic is in between a very narrow tunnel between his hoodie and his beard. There's a very small space that that microphone can be in and not rustle. It's it's exciting to watch, I'll tell you that. Um, (laughs) It's a real poacher's role for that microphone. You've got to find that very thin gap between the (laughs) centre-backs. So we were trying to think of some fun little things to do, uh, seeing as there are no matches to talk about. I've come up with a quiz. Uh, you guys came up with the idea of talking about, what? describe it, which hill would you die on? Which yeah. United-related opinion is a hill that you would die on? I haven't thought of one because I'm fucking knackered. But Paul, I think you've got <laughs> a great one. and Maybe you've got one as well. Should we go for that? Let's do it. I think because there's, 
there's been all these match of the day things about most important Premier League players and best midfielders and stuff like that. Yeah. And the one that never gets mentioned, and I think was the key to our most successful years, is that my hill to die on is Rob Lee is the most underrated player in the Premier League ever. Um, I don't have the whole, every player to have played in the Premier League at the, at the front of my head right now. So I'm not sure if I can, can, can 100% agree, but to me, it sounds like a very good opinion. He was just very unfashionable. Well, he was, a, he was the prototype for the, the midfield generals that we see these days. Like he, he, Gerard Lampard, De Bruyne to some extent, like all of these midfielders owed a lot to the, I mean, they, might, they probably wouldn't have idolised Rob Lee, but he was certainly the prototype for them. Like that, in, my, that, in my head, I don't know if he was a type of player that hadn't, I don't think he invented a type of midfielder, but the, the player that I most compare him to in my mind is Frank Lampard. Yeah. Obviously, his impact was nothing like the same. He didn't win anywhere near as much. He probably wasn't as good a player. But one, they kind of looked a bit similar, you know, same body type, same hair colour. And two, they scored a lot of similar type of goals, right? Yeah. I think you look at Rob Lee's goals now and you just, like, we've not had anything like that in central midfield since him. Kevin Nolan for a little while. Sort of different, more of a number 10, Kevin Nolan. That's the, the thing about Rob Lee is he played like, as a genuine centre midfield and just covered everywhere and scored. Yeah, in the in yeah. same way as Frank Lampard. I don't think he was quite Steven Gerrard-esque in the terms of like... Oh, no, I'm not, no. Saying, I'm not saying he's the same, the same well, standard. I'm just yeah, saying I, like... I, if you, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean... Rob Lee had, he could put a tackle in, he could spray a ball 40, 50 yards, he could run with the ball. He was, he was the complete package for a central midfielder at that time. Um, for, the, for what we spent on him, which was, what, 750 grand? It absolute bargain. Like, from where, where we got him from to the level that he ended up playing at, he was unreal. Unreal. So I, I, I don't know if he's the most underrated because I'd also say that Peter Beardsley was vastly underrated. Yeah. But then he, he was, um, I suppose he was rated higher than Rob Lee. So then it feels he, like a different yeah, era, know. Peter Beardsley, as well. Like it feels like he was highly rated enough to be an England international regularly. In, in yeah, born, born. Peter Beardsley's rated pretty highly. The thing is, I think, it's the nature of things that uh, winning medals puts you on a lot of lists that you wouldn't otherwise be on and vice versa. So, you know, had Peter Beardsley won more titles and whatever, certainly in the Premier League era, then he might be on a few more lists, but he is, I think Peter Beardsley is talked of pretty damn highly. I tell you what, if Rob Lee was coming through now, I don't think he would get the like the attention. But if a if if a twenty one year old Peter Beardsley was making his making his first forays into the Premier League, 
he'd stand up and notice him because the game now better suits him uh, than the game back then, and certainly it's, it has passed the type so of if, In my head, Peter Beardsley was one of the most lauded players of his era. Yeah, yeah especially at Liverpool. It wasn't like... I don't... Maybe I've just got like... Um, I don't know, maybe I don't think he gets the credit he deserves because he's one of my favourite ever players. Mm. And I think everybody should rate him as one of the most gifted English footballers. You rate him in the same way... Years. In the same way that a lot of people think Paul Scholes is underrated. He gets yeah, a, lot, lot, a lot of attention, Paul Scholes. But a lot of people probably rightly still think he's underrated. My thing mm. with Rob Lee is you had a sort of five, ten years later, kind of a carbon copy, but not as good in Scott Parker, who still won PFA Player of the Year, whatever it was. I think Rob Lee was consistently a higher level than Scott Parker, say. Mm. Sure. I'd agree with that. Did you know that Rob Lee was the player who went to France in 98 instead of Paul Gascoigne? Ah, no. Yeah, it's apparently true. Paul Gascoigne lost his place in France 98 to Rob Lee. And Rob Lee, did knowledge, didn't uh, play a minute, I don't think, in France 98. Rob Lee scored the only goal in the uh, England versus Romania game that I went to in the 1990s at Wembley on a school trip. That's uh, another Rob Lee fact. Love uh, stuff. <laughs> Rob Lee, Rob Lee uh, murdered my aunt. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dave, do you have a, a hill that you're prepared to die on? Yeah. Go on. Tino didn't cost us the title. David Barty did. Okay. It's um, it's sort of, uh, what's the word? Um, accepted knowledge that Tino cost us the title. That along with the, and I would love it if speech. Mm. Uh, who, who, uh, why Why did uh, David Batley cost his title, Dave? Because you've got to remember that the way that we were playing early doors was, it was gung-ho, it was cavalier, it was fearless. And the minute that David Batley came in, it kind of changed. We became more concerned about what the opposition could do in attack. We became like, the, like the, the rhythm of the team left and it just it just altered the entire dynamic. And I think had we kept on going, all guns, Cavalier, you score three, we'll score four, that attitude, I think we would have gone on to win the title because I just think we would have won games in the t- at the tail end, um, kept pace with Man U and racked up uh, like, you know, a bit of goal difference and all the rest of it. But I, I honestly think that it was, it was David Batty's like safe, approach to some of the games and our our entire like approach to that game just changed whereas with Tino it was just we just continued to go at teams and it was it was glorious to watch yeah so I think it was David Batty okay so cowardice that's what comes perhaps David Batty was a long term a sensible choice to make but halfway through a season 
it was unwise to change everything. Yeah, yes. I'd say the other thing that definitely cost us that season was Man U. Their form, Christmas onwards, pretty much unprecedented. It was yeah. just, they were unstoppable. Yeah, I think I think it was written in that um, touching distance. Um, oh, I can't remember who wrote it now. Um, Martin Hardy. Yes, that's yeah. it. Yeah, in touching distance, one of the one of the players says that every time they open the the newspaper to the scores, it was one man. You one nil. Schmeichel had a blinder. Eric Cantona scored. Yeah, and it was just every single fucking weekend, just relentless. And yes, you've got to give them credit and. Did we fall away a bit, perhaps? But then they were, like you say, Paul, just fucking relentless. Okay, cool. That's uh, that's two fantastic opinions from you guys. Um, <laughs> are we are we talk radio people now? Now just saying it's all about opinions and it's all about opinions, and we welcome them all. Um, speaking of opinions, uh, I believe we've got some social media <laughs> guys. Paul, uh, <laughs> um, we might as well go to that, right? I don't have it in front of me. I've left my phone downstairs. I've got it. Uh, Twitter questions. Some questions out from, from Twitter, guys. And I will tell each and every one of them to fuck off. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay, here we go. Dave, you've got some stuff on your Oh, sorry. Account? Yeah, um... Oh. Jake Sanson, because uh, I, I put something out saying, like, send it to your favourite shit player to put on a black and white shirt. Just send it to anything. Uh, Jake Sanson came back to us and said that he always remembered Claudio Cachapa putting in the most shocking performance against Portsmouth at home and getting subbed around the 20-minute mark when we were already 3-0 down. Apparently, he played for Brazil. Do you remember that game? I don't, I don't remember the Portsmouth. Yeah. Oh, my God. God, he was he, he like he just he got deservedly hooked, but it was probably the worst performance I've ever seen in a black and white shirt, and I've seen Fumaka play. He was that fucking bad. It was unreal. He was worse than Joe Linton by a mile. He was oh, he was terrible, absolutely woeful. So I think that's a it's a good shout from Sanson. So um, people are answering this rather than your sort of favourite shit player. They're just sort of saying, yeah. The shittest Who's player. the shittest player? <laughs> yeah. I um, saw Darryl... in um, against Spurs at home. I went to that game where he scored, and uh, he looked great. I think you know, as with a lot of players, there was a bit of excitement about him when he arrived. You know, he put in a couple of good tackles and scored a header, and everyone went, "Oh, this looks like a good buy." But it definitely didn't work out. Go on, uh, hit let's hear some more. Uh, Daryl Hughes says that, um, he, he, same as me, he thought Carl Court, Court was brilliant in the 10 final games of 2001, but 22 appearances in four years makes him officially shite. I do, I did like Carl Court. I did think he was yeah. going to turn out good. I think the problem with Carl Court is if we had a player of that level now, they'd be a bit of a cult hero. But we were a different level then when we had him. Mm. Well, the whole thing of Carl Court is it's it's all about injury, right? And it's it's about the promise of what he could have been, but yeah. it's all about he had a massive injury as soon as he joined us. So we and he and the footballing world never got to see what Carl Court could have been. 
True. I mean, there's a few others, which is like there's a, there's a shout for John Allen Boom song. Um, when you look at the teams he played for, you would think you would think he was something special. Personally, I thought he was pish. That was from uh, the at Thistle Canuck Canuck. Yeah, he was absolute dog shit. And there's something suspect about that transfer. Um, Thomas well, yeah, he was available Andrew. for free, just on the boom sort of thing. He was available on a free transfer the summer before we signed him from Rangers. For nine million quid. Yeah. Seamus, yeah. who had yeah. very strong links to Rangers and signed, I think, the odd player from them. That's a... F- that's for me. That's a four beers in on Football Manager signing. Yeah. <laughs> um, Thomas Burkan says Andreas Anderson scored from against Man U from two yards out. That's the only thing I remember him doing for us. Yeah, I, I don't know anything about Andreas Anderson after he after he left us or before he joined us, and he was instantly forgettable for us. I really wanted him to be good though. I remember I signed him from AC Milan and thought, this is, this is going to be the guy. Perhaps the blondest player to ever play for us. Yeah, Daniel Cordoni might have something to say about that. But... Cordoni wasn't have blonde. Oh. I'm compare them. He had a ponytail. No, yeah. No, it's absolutely... Well, ponytails and... Uh... Yeah, that doesn't mean you can't be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Believe me, I was trying to think. (laughs) There are recorded uh, blonde ponytails in history. Bullshit. Prove it. But no, go go to any beach, and I can confirm that definitely Andres Anderson is our blondest ever player. So congratulations to him on that (laughs) regard. And we're now going to get him on the line to present the award. Um, Andy Sheldon's just asking any thoughts on why the takeover talk has gone so quiet. Ah, it's just rumbling on, Andy. Don't worry about it. Um, or and do. then, or do, yeah, if you want. If you, if you genuinely get joy out of worrying about something you can't control, crack on, but I wouldn't bother. Um, then we've got one from the King of Northumbria, who is at Sandanza1977. says, came across your podcast today. It was canny although I thought it was a bit negative about the new owners. Everything we've heard about them and their plans for NUFC sounds incredibly positive. Not sure why you need to bring politics into it. What goes on in Saudi is nothing to do with us. Now, (laughs) this guy only joined Twitter in April. Posting exclusively about Newcastle United and in favour of the Saudi regime. I honestly think he's a, one of them propaganda tools. Well, be a bot. It's quite exciting. Yeah. Because, for me, because, yes, I mean, he does suspiciously look like a bot. He's, he's only joined in April. He's only got four followers. He only tweets about one thing. But what excites me about it is that I think that there might be some kind of, like, wing of the Saudi regime or the investment group. There's someone hired by them who has listened to the Newcastle Natter <laughs> and learnt the word canny. <laughs> Thought it was canny. Um, but yeah, it does look suspiciously like a bot. But if you are listening, um, uh, MBS and the rest of the uh, Saudi regime, um, sure, by all means, uh, make our club uh, as great as we always hoped it could be. 
Um, but um, go easy on the beheadings, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I, think I, think, I think that's... I think that's sorted it out. Yeah, I think I've sorted it out. So, yeah, yeah. In the end, it's worked out, isn't it? We get something out of it, and so do the Saudi people. So cool. I do. Um, I get the point up to a point because we cannot affect the politics of Saudi Arabia in any way. But that doesn't mean we should ignore them crucifying children <laughs> or teenagers, at least. Sure. Um, so yeah, engaging with the bots there. Yeah, like well, you know, we'll see. Who knows? We've been over it, haven't we? We've got to be very, yeah, we've got to be very careful um, about, uh, we've got to be very careful that the Newcastle Nutter doesn't, every single Newcastle Nutter for the next few years doesn't include mentions of uh, capital punishment and torture and the like. So, you know, we'll move on. I think so, the best uh, way to get us to engage with the positive issues is through some lucrative sponsorship. So we think <laughs> So we're doing this on Zoom, isn't everyone? Hey, guys, what's the deal with Zoom? We're doing this on Zoom. <laughs> but uh, I don't know what Paul's doing there. Is I'm trying to go to an ad break. <laughs> right, I was trying to do that. I thought right. maybe you were like, miming like Glove Puppet or something. <laughs> Just a puppet of the regime. Yes, we do need to go to an ad break. because Unless we want to pay for Zoom. Because we're doing this on Zoom, but none of us are paying for it. So, as we've all learnt, uh, Zoom is free up until the 40-minute mark, as is um, our, our most prostitutes. So, um <laughs> doesn't work as a joke in any way, does it? I apologise. We're now going to go through an advert break, and then we'll be back when Zoom allows. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back to the Newcastle Natter. Thanks for staying with us, guys. Um... Now we come to the moment that we've all been waiting for. I have compiled a quiz for uh, Dave and Paul. If, you, if you've managed to listen to the lockdown pods that we've done so far, uh, we've now done, we've now done, yeah, well, first of all, well done and thank yeah. you. Yeah, hats off. Uh, hats off, even if you are um, being paid by the Saudi regime. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, a listen to listen. Um, uh, but we've been doing uh, quizzes, and we've each each of us has compiled a quiz so far. As I believe the so one of us will compile a quiz for the other two. So as I believe the way it's as it stands, you've both won. No, Dave's won two, Paul's won one, and I am one any. 
Yeah, I think that's. I think that's. But it, Dave's won every quiz he's been involved in. You've Correct. lost every quiz you've been involved in. That I'm Correct. in the middle. <laughs> yes, which is exactly where I would have predicted. Yeah, to same be here. Before. Okay, so I've got my uh, questions here. I might have to fumble around for the answers a couple of times, but uh, here we go. I've got ten questions for you, boys. Question number one. Who was our last match against? <laughs> Ooh, because I, I, I put that because I'm sure you both know it, but I put that because I had not a fucking clue. It's, you know, that was nowhere in my head. Who was Newcastle United's last professional football match against? That's not a trick question. I'm the first team. Uh, okay. Question number two. Newcastle United won their last domestic trophy in 1955, the FA Cup. I'm sure you remember it well. Name one player other than Jackie Milburn in the Newcastle United side that day. Ooh. Some of them might be too hard, you know. I thought it was an interesting question. I'm pretty certain I've got the era wrong. But how do you spell Kieran? Obafemi. Some interesting, uh, you know, I was looking at the, you know, I, I was trying to compose some interesting questions and I was looking at the Wikipedia page for that final. Um, I'm sure you remember well. It was against Manchester City. We won it oh, 3-1. We won it 3-1. Jackie Milburn got the first goal in the first minute of the game. Yeah, because it was the fastest goal in the FA Cup final for decades until, I think, Di Matteo for, Di Matteo for Chelsea against Middlesbrough. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I already know my answer's wrong because the chant they sing about the guy who I've written down is based on the song from the 60s, so it can't be him. Okay. The Man City keeper was Bert Troutman, famously. And uh, playing for Man City, the number nine that day was uh, future England manager Don Reavy. Anyway, there you go. Yeah. Some little tidbits for you. Uh, here's another question. I did steal this question from NUFC.com. Which midfielder appeared over a hundred times for United between 2008 and 2012 and now plays for Walsall? Good question, isn't it? 2012. Which midfielder play, appeared over a hundred times for Newcastle United between 2008 and 2012? and now plays for Walsall. Try to throw some hard ones and some easier ones in there. That is a tough one. It's a tough That's one. A good question, huh? Good question. And that is the only one that I stole. So. <laughs> okay. Here's another question. Question number four. Who did we buy Pappy Stemba's Cissé from? Oh, I know the first two letters. <laughs> <laughs> A C 
Okay. Oh, shit. Who was it? Okay. Well, you've got time to think. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Next question. <laughs> Only one Newcastle United manager has won the League Managers Association Manager of the Year Award. Oh, I know that one. Who was it? Okay. As we're on Zoom, we can see Dave giving Fergus the finger for that question. So I think we all know the answer. We'll give a clue to regular listeners. John Carver. <laughs> <laughs> it's an admin error, but it had to stand. <laughs> In what year did Newcastle United last win the top flight title? I'll try to throw a couple in from not the Premier League era. In Football started before 1992. Yeah. In what year did we last win what was then known as the First Division? Okay. Uh, this one, I'll give you half a point for each answer. This century, two NUFC players have won Young Player of the Year. Who? That's the PFA Young Player of the Year. What, at Newcastle United? While they were at Newcastle United. This century? This, at, both in the 21st century. Ooh. Okay. Might need a little bit of thinking time on that. Okay. Uh, next question. The fifth highest assist combination in Premier League history is between two former Newcastle United players. Who for whom? So is it when they were at Newcastle? Yeah, this is, yes. They got, they were oh, right, six, yeah. One of them assisted the other player at Newcastle 16 times. Okay. Well, that young player one. Yeah, it's a good one, isn't it? Yeah. That one was... I came up with that question, guys. Okay, here we go. Most direct free kicks in a season. Right, sorry, that's just my notes. I've written that out into a question. <laughs> the, uh, the, um, the... The player who has scored the most direct free kicks in a season for any team in the Premier League did it for Newcastle United. He scored five. Who was it? And uh, final question, question number 10. Shearer scored the most penalties for us in the Premier League era. He scored 37. Who scored the second most penalties for us? He scored 14. There's a few you might have to guess at here, you know. Just yeah. not, not know the answer at, just guess that. But I think, you know, I think that makes it fun. Okay, that's it. That's all the questions. Good quiz. Tough one. That's good. I'm just going to get up the um, 1955 Cup final Wikipedia page so I can uh, respond to your guesses. Uh, right. Okay. 
I'm going to change my one for that and just guess a name. Problem is, I've read all those books on the history of Newcastle, but retained zero names. Sure, I understand. Sorry. Okay, here we go. Question one. Who was our last match against? Southampton? Dave? Southampton. I think it was Burnley, actually. No, it was Southampton. Was that a change of answer, Paul? No, I was just saying. Yeah, he did. No, he said Burnley. He got it wrong because he said Burnley. Exactly. I think you did just change your answer, didn't you, Paul? You did. No, I gave my answer and waited for no, you. No, you said it was Burnley. I was trying to work out if that was a joke, but I can tell from your face that it wasn't a joke and you changed your answer. I've not. I can show you. It's on the paper. But that's <laughs> the other answer. All right. I'm gonna, because, because you're very much not the favourite here and yeah. uh, David is already in the lead, I will give you that. Uh, okay, so you're both correct and Dave is right. It was uh, 1-0. St. Maximum got the goal. Question number two. Uh, we won our last domestic trophy in 1955. It was the FA Cup. Name one player other than Jackie Milburn who was in the side for Newcastle United that day. Dave, have you got a guess? Jim Smith? <laughs> that sounds like you've just guessed a name. He was a manager no, 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 for us as well, wasn't he? Yeah, but I'm sh- yeah he did manage us, but I'm sh- I'm not sure. He didn't play for us, did he? That Jim Smith in the 50s? Probably not. Yeah. I originally went Wynn Davis and then changed my guess to Lamano Trezor Luar-Luar. <laughs> <laughs> I've also written down another name, Tony Green, but I'm convinced that's wrong. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm afraid uh, none of you got it right. Um, the Any names we'd recognise from there? I think Len White. Yes. Newcastle United. Uh, he was our number seven that day. Vic Keeble. Uh, Bobby Mitchell, George Hanna, Ronnie Simpson, Bob, Bobby Cowell, Ron Batty. These are proper British names. <laughs> Jimmy Schooler, Bob Stokoe, Tommy Casey. Bob, I mean, Stokoe. Bob Stokoe. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. There you go. That's it. Sorry, guys. But you're you're all forgotten. (laughs) Question number three. Which midfielder appeared over 100 times for United between 2008 and 2012 and now plays for Walsall? David, can you guess? Yeah, I've got an actual answer and then an answer that I changed from because I realised that you said he currently plays for Walsall because my first answer was Gary Speed and no, he doesn't play for Walsall. So I'm going to say Scott Parker. No, because Scott he manage- Parker currently manages Fulham. Yeah, I've gone with, then. I've gone with Danny Guthrie. Well done, Paul. Is it? Yeah. Pull that one out. I mean, just a guess, I'm sure, but... Well, no, I knew he got relegated with us in twenty one. Yeah, you've worked it out. You've worked. Yeah. It's a, it's an educated guess. Well done. I'm sh- I'm shit with years. I'm the worst with years. Okay, here we go. This is question number four, I believe. Who did we buy Papis Denver Cisse from? Paul. I initially wrote Freiburg, 
crossed it out and went Frankfurt. I'm going Freiburg. Paul, you were right first time. Shit. Freiburg. Yeah. I knew it was one of the two. You knew it was FR. It was either Freiburg, Frankfurt, or France. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is tense. Only one Newcastle United manager has won the LMA Manager of the Year award. Who was it? Dave? What's the answer to this one? Pardew. Paul, have you got Pardew? I have, yes. And I would say, with hindsight, deservedly so. Fuck it. Fuck off. Fit in the league. (laughs) I, I was looking for another question to really really piss off Dave and it was going to be it was going to be the, uh, based on the win percentage of Benitez and Bruce <laughs> the fact because the win percentage is uh, I was really hoping that it would go it would be the other way because the win percentage of Benitez and Bruce Benitez's win percentage was 31.4 and Bruce's is 31%. Ooh. There's a 4 and 0.4 difference. And if that had gone in Bruce's favour, then that would have definitely been one of the questions. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, next question. Are, are we keeping score here? Are you guys keeping yeah. score? But I think yeah, we're both on three, aren't we? Yeah. If I've gone okay. friggin' Freiburg, let's not let's not get into that. Okay. Friggin' Freiburg. <laughs> Next question. In what year did we last win the top flight title? Paul? Sixty-nine. What? The top the the, the first division. In what yeah. year did we last win the league title? I've gone sixty nine. It's clearly not true. No, it's not true. It's going to be 24 or something then, isn't it? Yeah, I thought it was like 37. An earlier question as a clue, Paul, was <laughs> our last domestic trophy in 1955. Uh, I didn't hear that properly. You weren't engaging I mean, me enough. Very, I mean, that's a very famous fact. Was it 32? No, it was. And this is one that I actually did know personally myself, and I'm so proud. It was 1927. Oh. oh, so what's that? How many years of hurt? How many years? <laughs> Ninety-three years of hurt. Jesus, what? Um, how? Uh, just as a little side bonus thing, this doesn't count towards anything. How many league titles have Newcastle United won? Six. No, it's four. Oh. Shit. We've won six FA Cup. Here we go. Okay, next question. Half a point for each. In the 21st century, Newcastle United players have won the PFA Young Player of the Year. Two of them have. Who and who? Dave? Janice and Dyer. That's what I've gone as well. But I've put a thing for Bellamy as well. But I'm going to go Dyer and Janice. I've gone Janice and Dyer. Genesis is correct. Dave, if you had stuck with Bellamy. I didn't have confidence in Dyer, but I couldn't think who else it could be. 
It was Janice and Bellamy, and they won it in uh, consecutive years. Okay. Question. The fifth highest assist combination in Premier League history is between two former NUFC players. Who and for whom? Beardsley to Cole. Paul's going Beardsley to Cole. Yeah, I've got yeah, I've got Beardsley and Cole. Oh, okay. I'm afraid you're both wrong. What? I can I can totally see why you would do that. That makes that does make total sense. I guess this is down to um Is it Griffin to Marich? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I guess but I guess these two players played a lot more seasons together and were therefore able to accumulate more Solano Shearer? Correct. Uh, But yes, it was Solano Shearer. I think there's a a pride point there. That will be tied up at the end. And there's the equivalent to actual points. Yeah, I'm sure we'll take that home. I feel I quite enjoy. I feel like I just want to run the quiz every week now. <laughs> yeah, I quite like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Although it's quite hard to keep to keep it creative. Okay. Uh, the most free kicks in a season scored by one player in the Premier League, and most direct free kicks, is uh, a Newcastle United player. Who? Lauren Robert. That's what I've got as well. Lauren Robert. You're both correct. You scored five. Okay. And uh, this is question number 10. What are the scores at the moment? Four and a half. I have. Four and a half as well. Wow. Okay. I've chosen one of two possible options for the last question. I'm now doubting it. Okay. Well, you need to still change it. Which one are you going to go for, Paul? How many, pe- How many penalties? Last question, the last question is, to remind our listeners, Shearer scored, has scored the most Premier League penalties for us. He scored 37, which I think might be more goals than Shearer and Miobi scored for us. Should have, I should double-check that. In the Premier League? No. It might be. Okay. Shoulder's one of our top goal scorers. Yeah, I know, but that doesn't in the league seriously. But I'm, your reaction you know, there has told me to stick with my original answer as well. Sammy Amiobi. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna look up how many Premier League goals Shiller Amiobi. I hope he's got over fifty. I think it might be less. Anyway, okay, who scored? The second most penalties for us in the Premier League with 14. Is it Shola Amiobi? Is that your guess, Paul? Yes. Sure, uh, Dave, what's your guess? The big man Shola. My other choice was going to be Kevin Nolan. Uh, if you tell you what, because it is a. I need to come up with a tie-back question because you're both wrong. Oh. oh. You're both still on four and a half. Okay, I've got another answer then. Oh, hang on. Um, the hell I, is this? Let's hear your other answer, but this is not going to win it for you. I'm going to find another question. But let's hear your other answer, Dave, just for the sake of it. Beardsley. That is correct, but ah. that does not win you the quiz. 
Um, oh, by the way, uh, Shaul Ramiobi scored fifty-three goals. Told you. Um, forty-three in the in the Premier League. Right, so six more than thirty-seven panics. So yeah, not far off. I'm happy with a draw against Dave. I think that's if I'd stuck with Freiburg, could have. I feel like we've got to have a winner. Okay, this is the tiebreak question. Oh, this is fun. Okay. The tiebreak question is, there have been, in the Premier League era, there have been one, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, no, that's the same person. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine uh, interim or caretaker managers for Newcastle. Do we need to get all nine? Can you name them? Problem is a couple of these I wouldn't define as interim or... or they're just, they're all in grey on NUFC.com. Um... What does NUFC.com define as a caretaker manager? I'll give you a clue. I'll just, I'll just let, I'll, I'll I say. Think, I think we'll, I think we'll get it for me, surely. Yeah. Okay. All right. So it's like whoever gets the most wins the game. All right. Okay. I'll, um, I hope you're all uh, still listening to us there in um, Saudi Bot HQ. Oh, God, what's his name you filled in recently? Dave's camera's off. He must be on the internet. Mm. I'm not currently confident that this is what I'm looking at is correct. So, pretty high stakes for me. All right, you ready, guys? Oh, I got it. I mean, it's yeah, it will have, have to be. Where's Dave gone? Dave. Oh, I need to let him back in. He's lost the game. He's lost the game. He's lost. There's one I can picture, but I can't remember his name, and it's really annoying me. Okay. There's one I literally... In fact, there's two. I literally don't know who they are. I'm back. Dave's back. Dave's just uh, ran next door to ask his wife, Quick, who stood in when Keegan (laughs) (laughs) retreated? Right, okay. Uh, I reckon I've got six. I think I've got six as well. Oh, this is like countdown. This is like countdown. Okay. Dave. I can't remember, and it's going to... Just going to be on trust here. Dave, name your six. Nigel Pearson, Chris Hewton, Steve Clark, John Carver, Colin Calderwood, Terry Mack. See, what I'm looking at here doesn't include Coldwood or Terry Mack. 
Um, which They're the two me. I've not got in my six. I'm sure Terry McDermott managed us at least one game. I don't think he did. But according to the... Because this is, this is the Newcastle United Premier League managerial records. And some of them only have one game in there. Should I do my six? No, I'm sorry, Dave. I'm going to give you four for that. Let's hear your six, Paul. Pearson. Yeah. Clark. Yeah. Moda. Kinnear. Carver. Hooten. And Kinnear, I don't think, is right, but I'll put him in. Kinnear is right. Ah. Uh, one of the ones, Rhoda, is not right. Joe Kinnear is an interim manager. Yeah, I don't think he ever had an actual proper contract with us. I know it's, it's a bit dodgy, in it? I don't know. I think the results Shearer, would stand. Shearer is in as an interim manager. I'm going to give it to Paul just to make it more interesting. It's too, it, it's too, and I'm sorry. There it is. You know, I'm sorry. It's, you know, there's a lot of injustice. I think the lesson here is figure out your tie break. I wasn't expecting a tie break. You're right. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll name you some others. Cox. He managed us for one game when Keegan resigned. Who's the one who was most recent? Because the one who was and like, then, and, youth team manager. And he was yeah. on he was in charge last pre-season after Rafa went like half oh, a game. I don't think it includes pre-season. Uh, Doesn't include Craig is in mind. Tony Craig? It must be is it isn't it Tommy Craig? Oh isn't Tommy Craig. Goal, isn't it goalkeeping code? Anyway. He he managed one game after Daglish and lost it. Yes, Clark, Carver. Pearson twice, Hewton, Kinnear, Shearer, Carver again. Okay, that's it. I'm giving it to Paul. Sorry, Dave. That's fine. Accept your decision with grace. It was a good quiz. You're a good man. Okay, I still think Beardsley and Cole was right. Despite the facts. According to the internet, it wasn't. If you think about it, they only played together one season, didn't they? But they scored 200 goals together. I'm sure for that one season, I wouldn't be surprised if they've got the most um, player-to-player assists uh, in one season in the Premier League. That would not surprise me at all. Number one in that list for the whole of the Premier League was, um, I mean, that would have been a good tiebreak question. That was uh, someone with Lam- really Lampard the Drogba. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, wow. we'll leave it there. I enjoyed it. It's um, a real pleasure to be um, back with you guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, if any listeners want to set as a quiz feel free feel free yeah but the, if if not I will um, I'll, I'll endeavour to set up another quiz within the next week or two we'll do it again and hopefully we'll be back with genuine news now that we're one of the few football teams that does have actual news it should hopefully be soon true 
one thing we could have, we could have talked about Danny Rose. He's been publicly uh, um, complaining uh, about the thought of going back. He's been publicly cautious, I think. Is <laughs> He's been publicly cautious. You know. There's not a lot to say. I guess, you know, that's his, it's his right. It's a difficult situation for all of us. Yeah. Did either of you watch the Bundesliga at the weekend, by the way? I didn't. I know you did, Paul. Well, I, it was weird without the crowd noise, but being able to hear a ball hit the net is a very satisfying noise at that level. It's a proper thwack. Especially from uh, Haaland, right? Yeah. Um, well, I decided to start following Schalke 04 because they're from Gelsen, Gel, Gelsenkirchen. How do you yeah. pronounce it? And they got battered. They got battered for now. So, I just, I've just decided I'm not going to watch it because I just can't be bothered to to learn the ins and outs. German. Yeah, I can't be bothered to learn it. I don't have BT Sport. I've, it's I've been quite the same game. There's not much. There's no different rules, and there's a lot of English players there. I've been quite enjoying watching old. All the old games that are being shown, like World Cup games. You, and stuff. So on, on Saturday at three pm, they showed the um, Bobby Robson's first home game. Yeah, it feels like we should stop recording now and just keep talking. <laughs> is it? Yeah, our time um, limit is less than a minute, so let's. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, we'll I'll, I'll 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 end it here and say thank you very much for making us making it through two Zoom calls with us. And we will be back, I hope, very soon. Thank you very much from uh, Paul Doolan. Bye. Thank you, Dave Watson. Bye. And Fergus Craig. Goodbye. Bye. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.